It's Wednesday night and it's time for another edition of Football Bloody Hell. This week's guests are Hilda Pryor, Paul Thorpe, hopefully Tom White, Will Brummel, and Ricky Hyatt. So sit back and enjoy and let's have a bit of football banter. Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Football Bloody Hell. It's that time of the week again where we all get round and have a good old conversation about what's been going on. Uh, as you would have already heard in the intro, my guests this evening are Will Brummel. Hi, Will. Hello, everyone. Thorpey's here as well. Hi, Thorpey. How are we doing, everyone? Uh, find everybody with fine fettle after the... Uh... New Year celebrations. And Ricky Hyatt's here as always. Hi, Rick. Hello, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, all good, mate. All good. And uh, we're hopefully going to be joined later by Tommy White, but uh, we will see how that goes. We'll just keep on checking the lobby uh, to see if he appears. So we've got lots to get through. There's lots of news that's sort of broken today, actually, as we record this uh, on the Monday. And it was FA Cup third round weekend. So lots of different stories to get our teeth into. But unfortunately, it is going to have to be a sad start for the second pod in a row. Because last episode, we spoke about the great Pele. And um, all the boys gave a glowing um, tribute to um, his life and um, unfortunately we're going to have to start in the same way because it broke over the weekend that at 58 year, years old former Chelsea player and manager Gianluca Vialli um, unfortunately um, passed away after his battle with um, cancer over the last couple of years. Um, Thorpe, I'll start with you. Um, just like the tributes with Pele, um, everybody talks about how much of a gentleman he is more than anything above above all else. And um, Viali was very much the same. Oh, absolutely. I mean, what a, what, what a guy. Um, just to hear him speak and uh, the way he put himself, he's so professional right from the word go. And again, it's extremely... Um, just just loved playing football and uh, and was very thoughtful about how 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 uh, appreciated he was of the game as well. Um, so I've I've got nothing but, but fan. what a fantastic footballer. He embraced the Premier League uh, like you know uh, so many international players, but with a grace and determination and a, and, a, and a true winner. You know, and not only that, after he finished playing as well, he went into the, the coaching, you know, he did a bit of management. And, um, uh, well, I just think it's going to be a real sad loss for, for football in general because, uh, you know, great people like that. It's when, you know, it's when Ray Wilkins, he went, you know, you just don't, because we've all got to get to that point at one stage, but just taken far, far too early. Um, 
from obviously like a terrible disease. But um, yeah, what what what? Not just um, a player. I think just what a man, what a man he was. Because um, there's just so much more to him than just the playing side. Rick, I'll come. I'll come to you next. Um, um, just on the playing side because Viali was well. He was one of the first. Um, innovators, if you like, that, that came into the Premier League of, of, of a foreign sort of um, mystique about them in the, was it sort of mid to late 90s, I think it was, that he came across to Chelsea and they had, had Hullet and, and others that came into the Premier League as well. And he was one of many that kind of started the brand that the Premier League now is. He was uh, he was a bit exotic at the time, wasn't he, Gianluca? That's the word I'm looking for. That's the one you wanted, and he was. And he is just one of those people who um, just came across as a really, really decent, decent bloke. But it's, it's funny that Thorpey should mention Ray Wilkins, the late great Ray Wilkins, because I saw a picture over the weekend through look, looking at tributes to Viali and stuff. And of course, they they worked together not only at Chelsea but at Watford. Apparently they were they were together at Watford. And I I completely forgotten about that. But um, yeah, and it was just it was one of those people that it was. I didn't expect him to go into into management at the time. He didn't seem the sort. And then he sort of faded away. And then he was back at the quite back young, the as well, wasn't it? Was it quite young? It was quite yeah. young, wasn't it? He was player yeah, yeah. manager started as he was player manager, which is unheard of these days. But then he sort of left these shores and was doing whatever he's doing and it was just so nice to see him again at the at the Euros working yeah. alongside Mancini. Yeah. Because they, they were lethal together at, at Sampdoria and you heard then, oh he's beaten cancer, he's had whatever and you know he's on his way back. And the last thing you expected was just 12, 18 months later to to hear he passed away. And it's a it's a it's a sad day. Very sad. Very sad news. Well, Will, I'll, I'll come to you. Like Rick's just touched on, unfortunately, with, with a disease like cancer, I know that we we would have all been affected by it in some shape or form, whether it be a family member or um or or, or a close friend. That very similar to um Mihailovic. I don't know if you remember recently that the uh, former Inter Milan player he passed away recently for getting picking up cancer. But like Rick says, with Diali, he had beaten it. And then you think you're getting the better of it. And then when that second time round it comes back, that's normally um, the lethal sign, isn't it? And it's just such a shame that at 58 years old, it's um, it's taken Gianluca. Yeah, the cancer is still a, a massive issue with um, people's health these days. Um, it, it, it's one of those things that there's always progress in curing it. But it's not there yet, is it? You know, a lot of people, I know uh, women and breast cancer, that's that's more of a curable one than it was, say, 30 years ago. But there's still many cancers out there that still need a lot of work and still need a lot of medical progress in order to make them something of the past. Uh, with Gianluca Viali, I, I can remember, as Rick's just mentioned about Sampdoria, back, back in the sort of 80s, um, there was a, a time when Italian football became more available to British TV. And I can always remember Sampdoria and Viali as being one of the teams. I always remember their shirts, the blue shirts. And this was in the 80s. And I can remember actually seeing Gianluca Viali play at Wembley um, just before the 1990 World Cup. 
Um, he played against England in a friendly in about the November of 89. And it was to go and see Italy play in this friendly and to see Gianluca Vialli. Um, so it's kind of, as I say, Italian football was one of these first things you used to see. A, it wasn't quite a live game, but it used to be on our TV, like Channel 4 or something. And that's when I got to know the Italian players, including Gianluca Vialli. So he's, he's kind of, I know he's a little bit younger than me, but um, he's, he's in my football life, he's been a big part of it. And... Yes, as everyone's saying, he, he, he appears to have been a, a, a fantastic bloke off the football pitch. I kind of think he had, I'm not to say aristocratic background. I haven't actually looked it up. But I do remember he lived in a big family house. So I'm not sure where, where he, I don't think he was born on the rough side of the streets. But yeah, a great gentleman, a great, great player. And yeah, sadly missed and... You know, sorry for his family and all the people, and especially Mancini. Him and he uh, were very close, weren't they? Those two. Both no, I think I've been together since uh, ten years old. I think from uh, the pictures that I've seen. Thorpe, did you just want to close the point on this? Well, just that uh, there's a couple of things really. If you see how emotional um, uh, Sunes was when he was speaking about him, and uh, but just going back to the playing side as well. I mean, he started off, I think, his, his local club, Cremonese, uh, 100, 105 appearances, 23 goals. Then Sampdoria, um, 223 games, 85 goals. Juventus, 102 appearances, 38 goals. And Chelsea, you know, 58 appearances and 21 goals. You know, and Italy, under 21s, 20, 20 appearances, 11 goals and 59 appearances for the main team, 16 goals. I mean, what, what a career. What a career he had, and um, you know, and he had a, a success at all three managerial appointments, where Chelsea, Watford, and and Italy as well. So, I mean, what a career! I see that uh, Tommy White has uh, now joined the room. Tommy, you there, mate? Yeah, sorry, lads, a few technical difficulties. Forgot my laptop, and my iPad doesn't seem compatible with Zoom, so uh, I'm on my phone. Sorry about that. Yeah. That's all right, mate. Good to see you. Good to see you. And you. Um, just caught us talking about the um, the story, of course, the, the sad story of losing Gianluca Vialli um, over the last couple of days. Uh, the boys are just sort of touching on the, the career that he's had and what a man he was off the field as well. Did you just sort of want to share your um, thoughts and your memories of um, watching Vialli? Yeah, I've... Um, I've... I grew up as a Catholic, as uh, some people may know, and I've got a lot of Italian friends. So, um, you know, they used to rave about him and the celebrations and, you know, they would always go on about, the you know, the class of his name, Gianfranco, all, the, all those sort of players, um, the Paolo Maldini's and the, uh, all the sort of names of their players. And then we got people like Tony Adams and Dennis Wise and stuff like that. So I've got a lot of sort of memories of football in general from around uh, Viale's uh, era. Uh, but yeah, what a frightening! I just heard some of Thorpe's comments saying, and yeah, frightening amount of stats. Uh, but like you've said and touched on there, from from a lot of the um, comments that people were making on radio through the week, it was, you know, what a gentleman he was uh, off the pitch. Let alone uh, how good his career was. Set that aside, um, you know, and I think as an Italian saying, it's something like, um, a man rich in friends is rich in life. And everyone who spoke about Viali has spoke so highly of him as a person. Um, you know, and I think that goes above anything he achieved in football, although he was a, a special, special talent as well. So, yeah, well said. Well his said. family. 
Well said. Thank you, boys. A touching tribute there for the life of um, of Viali. And um, to link it, I suppose he was no stranger to the FA Cup. Won it twice, I believe, player and, and as, a, as a manager. Well, it was FA Cup third round weekend. I'm just going to pick out a couple of the results because I will go through um, some of the, the eye-catching ones. But in particular, um, there was a couple of shocks, as you normally get. The biggest one probably coming at Villa Park, where finished Aston Villa 1, Stevenage 2. Um, Rick, I'll come to you first on this. Um, the FA Cup magic's very much alive, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and it always helps when you get a few uh, few shots. Was that eight, only eight? Is it eight Premier League teams left in it, or eight have gone out? Or it's, it's unusual, whichever way that is at the moment. Quite a few shots. Stevenage, uh, big result with uh, Yeovil's friend, Mr. Steve Evans, in charge. So uh, <laughs> I'm sure everyone in Yeovil is wishing him well and hoping that they progress <laughs> further in the cup and we get to see him on television an awful lot. But that was, that was, a, that was amazing. But apparently they are the modern day uh, Cambridge United in that, you know, they uh, there's a lot of shithousery about uh, the way they approach the game, time-wasting, long balls, all that sort of stuff so uh it's not what villa wanted i don't think the, the one thing that was not very surprising about the fa cup you could have put your money on it is uh two var shoddy decisions putting the bin dippers through who'd have thought are you going to come straight on that then, are you? <laughs> Pardon? i said you're no, going to come straight in, on that in passing i've mentioned it now so we need to talk about it again but they were two shockers <laughs> um Sorpy, um, I will touch on the. Um, I will talk about the the Liverpool Wolves game as uh, Rick rightly alludes to um, <laughs> a little bit later because there is some talking points as there always is. Uh, we should start calling this Three Varleys Radio soon, shouldn't Ooh. we? <laughs> um, but just very quickly, Sorpy, on the um, the upsets. Obviously, Stevenage is. Rick saying they obviously got the win over Aston Villa. Sheffield Wednesday beating Newcastle as well, which would be another one yeah. that Rick would have enjoyed, I'm sure. But yeah. um, just goes to that's show... A, that's that, a regular uh, event, isn't it? The, two, yeah. the uh, Saudis going out first week in January. They've not had an awful luck with that, not luck, luck with that which, is, which is obviously a terrible shame. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, Rick makes a good point, to be fair, but from an FA Cup perspective, Thorpe, it's good to see that these teams are still finding the magic to be able to give their fans a day out and um, a really good win as well. I'm, ec I'm ecstatic. I mean, I think what a what a week what a weekend of football like you know for a start. I mean, it's one once again it's proved to be the best cup, cup competition in the world. Um, it's proved what a fantastic uh, lower lower teams that we have and when they. Work as hard as they do. I mean, I just I was I was watching the uh, highlights and I had to watch it again. I just think it was absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, it's, it it's brought up some fantastic results. I mean, Sheffield Wednesday was fantastic. I, I had a keen eye on the Cardiff City. Obviously, he'd been living in Cardiff for 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 a few years. I lived in Cardiff for seven and a half years. Um, they nearly did it. Um, you know, then you got the Liverpool game as well, which we'll go on later on. But um, I didn't, I honestly think we didn't deserve to win it. But uh, we scraped a 2 2 draw. And, I thought um, that too, Thorpe. 
I didn't. I didn't think they deserved to win it either. I, we, we, listen, I'm an, I'm a nice guy. We, I didn't think we deserved to win it. You know, we um we we got a little bit lucky, and um hopefully we can sort it out in in the uh, in in the next round. But what I, I I was quite vocal actually. I and I, I don't know. I could open this up to the group. Is I can't believe that when you set up a competition, all the rules, whether it's in darts or tennis, whatever, all the rules are the same. Bar our RFA who decide that at some grounds we'll have VAR and at some grounds we won't have VAR. Well, how is that fair on the teams that are having these decisions made against them? Um, either way, so do you do, do you as a group think that it should be scrapped the VAR in the FA Cup? Because I actually think it should be because I don't think that you can go into a competition where the rules are different for one team than they are to the other. Don't you think it'd be handy if it didn't? If it was out of the FA Cup, if you had the FA Cup and there was no VAR, because then you got it week to week in the Premier League, and you just all the people that hark back to the days when you could argue about referees' decisions or whatever. You've got a competition. You've got a taste of of what it was. But Thorpe's right. And until everybody has the facilities, even those that do have the facilities don't apparently have enough cameras to. Uh, so it's ridiculous to have it have it working I, at all. Just spin it off. I think we could have a have a whole different conversation if um, something happened the other way, for argument's sake, where um, a Premier League team were um, winning um, or losing, and then they had a goal allowed, um, which should have been offside, but a VAR decision wasn't there to make it, and it would have cost, say, Stevenage, Gillingham, or one of those smaller clubs, the chance of, of going through. We'd be having a different <laughs> conversation. I think as long as... The, in fairness, the VAR is at one game, then it's the same for both teams who are present at that game. So I don't think we can. That's in my own personal opinion. Right? VAR is here to stay. That's you know, it's a, it's it's across the world now, so it's not going to change. Um, no, and no, I, no, listen, I totally get what you're saying, but I'm just saying when you start a competition, the rules should be the same for everybody. Yeah, every match in that competition should every have match yeah, in that competition. Yeah, I know, should but be the same. That will never. It, the FA Cup will never, every club will never be able to do that unless you, you know, um, don't allow lower teams in it because they haven't got it, which again is not what the FA Cup's about. So I think, I don't think there's a lot of choice really. You, you're right. They could just say we'll scrap VAR for people that can't um, facilitate it. But yeah, I'm not sure I, I agree with it. But that's my opinion. Well, I'm entitled to it. So thanks a lot. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll come to you. Um, both. Both sides of the um, the argument there, that there is credibility for each argument, isn't there? Because, yeah, like you say, if you start a competition, you want it to all be the same all, all the way through. But at the same time, if you do then, debate, like, Tommy White debate, not an argument. Um, touches on there. Yeah. That yeah imagine if you imagine you have... lost out, you know, they, they scored a legitimate goal and it was ruled out for offside. And yeah. in the next round, they would have had Man United away, and they, it, the goal should have stood, but because VAR wasn't present exactly. or could have been present, but we chose not to have it, you know, it'd be a, it'd be a different argument. And there's other questions yeah, coming from this as well, because if for the games that don't have VAR, well, does that mean that the advantage to the attacker rule comes back into play? Because when you're trying to rule the offside. So then you are actually looking at two different rules essentially that, here, aren't that's you? That's a good question. And I bet I bet you any money if you ask, if you, you ask that question to probably fifteen of the linesmen that were doing it at the weekend, they wouldn't actually know. 
<laughs> what rule they're using, and they probably what just go with what they think is offside or not. Well, I, I tend to think that you can't have, for me, you can't have VAR in, in one particular round. You can't have VAR in some of the games and not VAR in the other games. It, it, it seems ridiculous to me. I, you know, it, it, as we're saying, there's not going to be VAR at these early games um, where the, the clubs are playing over the park and things like that. So <laughs> it, it is unfair because, as you're saying, it's the same round. One of the games has got VAR, where you can look at VAR and offside, not offside, but another game without VAR, you've still got these iffy decisions. And because there's no VAR, the offside gets away with it and things oh, like that. You can't have said, the same round, some with VAR and some without. If you're going to have VAR, it's going to have to be something like the semi-finals and the final, to me, or not have VAR at all in the whole FA Cup. I also get, I totally get what, you know, what Tom's saying. Because, like, you know, when you, know, you can't have the cost of having VAR at, say, like um, Yeovil Town, you know, with the financial difficulties they've got, it's not, it's not possible. So I totally get, and if somebody loses out, I totally get that as well. I just wanted to put that point because I'm, I, I, I don't think, I didn't think at the time until Tom put his good point across that it was fair. But the fact of the matter is, we can't all afford it. We can't afford all those cameras because they're really expensive. And the fact of the matter is somebody could lose out on a massive payday that, that could probably save their football club. Which, on the cameras, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do one more topic on VAR just because I don't want it to dominate the, the podcast too much just because, unfortunately, yeah. the way it goes, like we, we could have hours and hours of oh, talking wow. about this. And I will link it to the goal that was iffy, Rick. That <laughs> The facts that... Um, there wasn't a legitimate camera angle. Does that not make the whole concept of VAR? Um, it, it's just completely redundant because, okay, it might be a one in a million chance that you have, don't have a right camera angle, but if you don't get that camera angle that you need, then surely you've got to have every single angle covered for it to be credible. You'd think so, wouldn't you? But it's, it's, it's what, what, what struck me about it was the fact that um, because there was no, eventually they got to the root of why the fantastic winning goal was disallowed. And um, they said, oh, we're going to have to go along with the linesman's decision. Well, isn't that what you're supposed to do anyway? Isn't VAR supposed to be there just to pick up the howler? Not actually to question, to re-referee the game as... Yeah. As they're saying Absolutely. now, they've changed the perspective on it. So it it just it struck me that it seemed such a tragedy that what we're going to have to do is uh, we're going to have to go along with the linesman's also, original. Rick, as well, that aren't the linesmen as well told to keep their flag down in certain instances yeah. as well. So if he had done that and he had adhered to that rule, then the goal yeah. would have stood. Yeah, I know. It's, he, it's, he, it's, he the words are the words are a clear and obvious mistake. Yeah. You know, Howard, Howard Webb's come get, in and changed it, hasn't he? You know, otherwise don't get involved. Sounds like there's a few Liverpool fans on the IT department at that game. <laughs> <laughs> all, looking, all looking the other way. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, he's on Let me link it to, to replays because it still links in with Liverpool. And um, Klopp is obviously an advocate of not playing too many games. And it was always probably going to end up being a draw because the last thing he wanted was a replay. And that's what that's what Liverpool ended up with. Um, 
how do we all feel about replays at the moment? Do we like the fact that there's replays up until a certain point because it still gives teams such as like in the lower end, ends of the pyramid a chance to be able to have that replay and that potential payday because the chances are that they're not likely to get to a round five, round six, and then you can possibly justify not having replays after that. What do we all think, Thorpey? Uh, I've Listen, I, I've got no problem with replays, especially with the, the, the lesser club, because if they do get a fantastic result on, on day one, they have another another day to bring in some, some valuable money. And uh, when the golf is getting ever bigger between the Premiership and all the lower clubs, then, you know, the, these clubs need that financial um, income coming in to, to stabilise their clubs. So I have no problems with, with replays. We've always had them in the past. It's only because... You know, uh, I think of the congestion of uh, the, the leagues that they actually did away with them. Like so, um, uh, personally, it gives the fans another opportunity to have a possible bumper day, um, because obviously now that, that these uh, Premiership clubs use their second string team or a mixture, it does give these teams an opportunity to win the game. And um, it, it, listen, if it enhances the FA Cup and keeps the there's the, that special um, feeling going when they when it, when a club does win it, then I'm all for it. It, it used to be fantastic when you used to get a smaller club uh, playing in a round against a bigger club and used to go there and do their best in order to try and get a replay at their own ground. That used to yeah. be how great it used to be, you know, these these cup games in the past. And, it, and yeah, I'm like mm. with Thorpey, replays are fantastic. They are part of the FA Cup. And they should always be there. You know, I can remember replays after after the final, you know, back in the day, you know, used to have a replay. And yeah. to me, that was better than penalties. You know, I'm, I'm anti-penalties all the time. But, you know, replays are a part of the FA Cup and should always be there. We're all old enough, well, with the exception of Hilda. I expect you chaps, can you remember having third and fourth replays? And sometimes you never thought a tie was going to, tie was going to end you'd, you'd have the fifth round draw and you draw one ball out and it's representing <laughs> about four teams because they've yeah. got the backlog they've got to try and catch up mm. to make it and it's just something about the FA Cup and that's a, it's a very good point Hilda made actually that you know it's in the third and fourth rounds however much they want to streamline things towards the end of the season I mean this season it's in the third and fourth rounds and then then they disappear but that's a that's a minimum third and fourth round when you're going to have the majority of the non-league teams who are the ones that that is their reward for progressing in the cup. So you've got to keep it for them. Tommy's back with us. Um, All right, Tom, just quickly on the, on, on the FA cup, or I say quickly, as long as you like, mate, really, the, the floor is yours. Um, you talk about it being a special competition and particularly probably I'd say in the mid, mid noughties, um, it started to get questioned about the magic of the cup and people not prioritising it and the the whole concept of it changing because it was an opportunity for bigger teams in particular just to field their youngsters and fringe players and not really taking it seriously. Um, in the last few years, it does feel like that it's gone back to how it used to be a little bit, but we're still probably a way off to how it quote unquote used to be. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I think, um, you know, due to the extremities and the money and the uh, 
um, publicity that the Premier League now gets. Um, even though there's obviously always been in a first division and even a Premier League when it kind of first started, the gap between you know the, the how well it's broadcasted and you know you, the stuff you see in the tunnels in the dressing rooms and the accessibility to players and things now I think that's just put it on a whole new level that we've never experienced before, um, which has driven a gap between that and what the FA Cup, because I know everyone will remember the old FA Cup days on the Saturday started early in the morning and mm. you'd follow the buses and, you know, you'd watch them in the, the, the uh, hotels and then you'd have the captain or one of the high-profile players talking about all the other players and some of their traits and habits and things. And and it was, you know, a whole day. But but that's the norm now in every club. They've all got their own TV stations and, and programme channels and, and all that type of stuff. So, you know, the gap grew to a, a stupid level. Um, which nullified or, or lessened the appeal of the FA Cup for a lot of people. But like you've just said, the last few years, I think people don't want to lose the magic of the FA Cup and people are starting to try and, you know, give it support and, and give it more publicity and try and get it back to somewhere near where it used to be. And a lot of the first, you know, the Premier League teams are, are taking it seriously this season. Some of the teams that they've put out, even against some of the lower teams. Like, in fairness, we you touched on Villa, I think, before I sort of joined on. And my fiance is a huge, huge Villa fan. And she was devastated yesterday when they lost. But the team they put out should have been strong enough. You know, they were, for, mm. for the first 40, 40 odd minutes, they dominated. I know yeah. Stevens had a goal disallowed, which was a nice move, to be fair. Um, but Villa, that side should have been comfortably strong enough to, to beat Stevenage. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean you just have had a chat with Yeovil Town because they knocked Stevenage out of the FA Cup last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you see, and you've seen how their fans reacted when they scored that second goal. I mean, you know, if that doesn't show you that the FA Cup is fully alive um, and has mm. a lot of meaning to a lot of people, um, like you said, it, it, the, trying to sort of revalue it a bit. I think um, players. We, my girlfriend bought me for Christmas a, a stadium tour of, of Old Trafford, and Sammy McElroy took us round the stadium and you know he he spoke so highly of the FA Cup that it was the biggest thing it was it was almost as important as winning the, the, the division you know the, the first division to them back then it was huge huge yeah. um you know to win an FA Cup was you know it was some some feat um and I hope it can one day get back to there I think still across the world it's still regarded as a huge huge tournament um and a huge cup to win I think it still it still has a um, a big following, certainly in Europe and things. But I think, yeah, because of the hype of the Premier League, it, it has sort of nullified it a bit, um, which is unfortunate. But, um, you know, like I said, hopefully it can. Some some more shocks happen and some big games and some exciting games happen and um, it does catch up again. Well, there's been, there was a couple of um, Premier League ties, weren't there, this, this weekend that was thrown in. Um, it all started on Friday when United beat... Everton um, 3-1. Um, Rick, I guess I'm going to oh, have to come to you first on this. Um, to be fair, you're, you're playing well. I can't deny that, that, that you're not. Is the FA Cup, from your perspective, uh, should be something that you'd be looking to prioritise, particularly when it's been a little bit trophy-laden the last few years? Well, that's the, yeah. Uh, Ten Hag's already said that. You know, the important thing is to get some... Uh get some silverware it's been, it's been that long United are starting to look like Spurs you know it's been that long since they've, they've actually won a trip <laughs> so uh, yeah I think it's important and you won't be seeing uh, Ten Hag put 
week and sides out throughout the, the course of the competition. I don't think it's got that much that much significance to the club. And United benefited from a VAR decision themselves. Everton had an equaliser ruled out, didn't they, with VAR? So uh, yeah, so it does it does affect everybody. But uh, just just thinking about it, somebody at Oxford at Oxford United must think that the FA absolutely hate them. Because tonight they've got to play Arsenal, and if they beat Arsenal, they've got to play Man City in the next round. So some, it won't be, the, it won't be their finance officer. <laughs> well, yeah, they've got to get through one, haven't they? But I mean, what, a, what a two teams to have to play back to back if you do manage to do it? It'd be amazing. Why do you think Man City feel? I mean, Chelsea, Arsenal. <laughs> yeah. What a way. Are you touching that? Man City obviously destroyed Chelsea in the end, and again. It was sort of a mixed selection of players that were fielded on on both sides. Uh, Chelsea probably more so had a f- few more of a sprinkling of youngsters, but their injury list is quite astonishing. Um, having said that, I don't think anyone was really too surprised by the Chelsea performance yesterday, were they? Because, Will, Will, I'll come to you first on this one. They're having such a tough time. A uh, bit difficult to say whether or not this is um, something that Potter should be able to implement a little bit better since he's been there. Because I think when he first took over, it didn't start too badly, but it seems to have fallen off a cliff since then. Well, as you're saying, though, Dave, I think that the injuries are, are making a massive difference. Um, you know, I, I know at first a uh, Premier League club should have good backup players, but Chelsea never quite had that in the past. And at the moment, most of their first teamers are injured. And Potter's suffering the consequences of that. Um, I, I kind of feel with Chelsea that they've got no leader. You know, they know, I suppose, Thiago, but he wasn't playing the other day, was he? But um, they're just lacking something. And I just think the players are missing. You know, the fullbacks are not playing. You know, Fafana's not playing. They've got very, a very good squad, but it's not massive. And when you take a big the heart of the squad out, um, Potter's going to find it right. Um, yeah, Potter's going to find it difficult because the whole the, the heart of his cl- uh, whole I can't even speak now. The heart of his cl- uh, team is missing. Um, it, I've, I've got a few Chelsea fans, um, friends who are fans of Chelsea, and um, that, that none of them are saying let's get rid of Potter. I think they understand what's going on. It's I know there was a few people shouting out for Tuchel and all that sort of stuff, but um, he's just unfortunate at the moment. You know, he was, he was I won't say struggling, but he was trying to find the team when he had players available. He was still trying to find his best team. Now those play, even those players aren't available and he's, he's struggling even more. Uh, but I do feel they've, there's, there's not a lot of real determination in the squad at the moment. It's just one of those things. Um, you know, I, I personally think his job's safe. Um, I don't think they'll be getting rid of him. But it's, it's, a, you, it's, a, it's a tough season for Chelsea this, at the moment. You know. What do you think, Thorpe? Is there a, obviously, they've got a different ownership this time around. And uh, a few people were saying, particularly on radio, phone-ins that you normally get when you're on the run of defeats like there are on at the moment, that obviously if Abramovich was in charge, um, he probably would pull the plug already. But on the flip side... If Abramovich was in charge, he probably wouldn't have employed someone like Potter in the first place. Where, yeah. where do you sit on it? Do you think he is under pressure? Do you think the new owner probably 
will give them time because that was probably what was promised. Um, and, and one of the big reasons why Brighton, I'm sorry, Potter left Brighton to take the job in the first place. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I feel for him. I think he's he's finding out that you need a bigger squad nowadays, you know, and the quality of play. I mean, bless him, I, I, I loved seeing Gallagher play for um, Crystal Palace, but he's more of a Crystal Palace type of player. You know, he's not like Chelsea. He's got that finesse or whatever. He's a hard-working lad, don't get me wrong. You know, but then that's my own opinion. But, um, you know, I think the, the, they're finding that he's got to rebuild that squad thoroughly. And he obviously needs time with that. And obviously he's missing some really key players. You know, I do really feel for him. He's got a, a mega injury list and um, his squad are just not up to it uh, to play in that expansive football that he, he wants. And also... He's really fallen foul, and I, uh, there's been so many goals lately as well that they've, they've been given away from playing from the back. You know, and a lot of, a lot of the clubs, the, the balls they're giving straight down the middle, I mean, my old managers would be going absolutely mental. So I do feel sorry for him, but I also feel he causes his own problem by this style of play that you've got to, you've got to like roll it out from the goalkeeper to somebody in a left-back position who, who's going to be absolutely pounced on. And then they give away the ball and, and then it costs them another goal. So I, I think he's also causing his own problems. And um, um, I'm just not I'm just not a lover of that style of football, to be honest with you. Let's talk about the um, the transfer situation, because um, we are in January now. So you will get um, business um, being done. You normally find at this time of year as well, it's teams towards the bottom end that are trying to so I know it's a phrase that managers don't like, but we'll in deal to try and get um, the best out of what they can possibly can to keep themselves um, afloat, particularly in the Premier League. But we've seen some moves already. Obviously, Gakpo's gone to gone to Liverpool and not often we get breaking news here as we're doing a podcast that Chelsea are in talks with Xiao Felix. Um, Tommy White, with these transfers going ahead, how much are you looking forward to Veghorst coming through the door at Old Trafford? Yeah, do you know what? It's a bit of a funny one, um, but I, I can see the logic in it. You can see that um, Tenag doesn't mind having a big man up front the way he stuck Harry Maguire out there a couple of times, which I'm not a huge fan of because you want that effective. But I can see the logic in it. Um, and if you can get players, you know, if, if we're going to be playing Ericsson and Fernandez and two quick wide men, um, sort of, um, whether it's Sancho, Rashford, Anthony, or, or whoever, um, I can see the logic in it. You know, getting someone who can hold the ball up as long as you've got decent balls going into him. Um, you know, may not don't really have any any aerial threat up front in any of the players they've got. Even though you know Rashford and Martial are far from small, they, they if you watch them try and head a ball, every time I watch them, I mean, I'm livid. My son is sort of. Just can't believe. I'm like they can they they got the chance to win a header and they purposely don't have it. It's it's it's. I mean, Rashford did score that sort of Cristiano Ronaldo type goal, didn't he? A few good few well a month or so ago. Um, but I mean, like you know, headers in and around the halfway line, flick ons and things. A goalkeeper's kick. They literally jump and duck their neck. They don't want to mm-hmm. hit the ball. It's and it's. It's, I just can't understand it because you well, know I know it's like this though, Tommy. Is there not an argument that? You know, was it easy for me to say it's not a United fan? But if it, any striker that you're going to get in January is likely to be a loan deal, is there not an argument to just stick to what you got? Because yes, I understand yeah. that there might be injuries, and then you look, 
you're lacking but then if you're going to bring somebody in for six months i'll call it like the agalo transfer and then even if you do get an injury you you might try and not necessarily play that stopgap striker straight away and then come jan come the summer you'll go for somebody else anyway so the thing is is that i don't really think there's someone out there um that is available that we could get that's part of the problem is who who do we go and buy? I mean, you know, they spoke about Gakbo, obviously he's gone now. They're on about this, uh, the Portuguese lad um, who's up front for Benfica, is it? Uh, Ramos. Um, but again, maybe they just feel they haven't done enough homework on these bears yet and they don't want to commit to spending fair money on someone they don't really know enough about yet. Um, don't get me wrong, I'd love it if they could go and make some big signing. But I honestly... You know, I play a lot of FIFA with my son and you, you get to know of players on there pretty quickly. And there aren't many young players that in Europe that I'm not aware of. Um, and I'm thinking, who, 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 who can we buy? I don't know who there is. I honestly don't. That's the problem. Is I don't think... Would, would, would you agree with that, Rick? Would you, would you stick to what you've got for, from a January perspective and see what you can we do need, in the summer? We or? need something. We need something. Any, anyone who has seen Mannequin Martial... Playing up front for United in the last yeah. couple games, he's been awful. Would... Pardon? He's all. He's been awful. You're right. He's been awful. Is he is he doesn't get involved in the game? It's literally, oh. you know, he's hiding, which is, which yeah. is shameful. Yeah, really. So yeah. So and I, I'm surprised that Vicos wasn't a better success at Burnley. Surprised he's actually gone out on loan again to to because there's another club involved, isn't it? United, and there is no recall option on his loan deal. So. It's going to be some interesting negotiations. But then again, we've got the Glazers in charge, so uh, that'll all be successful. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That lad from know. Germany, he, he came on for Germany in the World Cup and scored to keep mm. them in it at one point. Um, he was a bit of a sensation last season in their first division. Someone like him is a bit of a wild card, but he's an old-fashioned set of forward. He's big, he's strong, he puts his Oh, that yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I, I can't know, full Craig, full Craig, Full yeah, crook. yeah, full crook, is it? I think. Yeah, maybe maybe something like that. That wouldn't be stupidly expensive, but you know, it's a bit of a wild card. But you know, I think I'd rather take a bit of a punt on someone than sit sit with what we got for sure. I I quite I wouldn't be opposed to there's talk of Memphis coming back for mm. the rest of the season. I wouldn't be against that because he made such a balls up of things at, the last time he was at United. I said it the start of the season. You know, I said Ivan Tony, I'd like. I think we should go. I'd, 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 go I'd go Tony if you were going to give yeah. me the yeah. option. That, that's that's the who I would play. I would like. Would, yeah. would you bet on that? No, I would bet it. on it several hundred times, but make sure I was never found out. So <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, I missed that one, didn't I? <laughs> um, Will West Ham? They won. They're through to the fourth round of the cup. They won against Tony's. Um, Brentford, um, it was uh, Ben Rama, wasn't it? Who got the goal, the former uh, Brentford player. Um, do you feel that as a hammer, you need to do some business in January? But like um, Tommy's touched on, trying to do business in January can be difficult. Is it more about who you can keep, possibly? Um, I, I don't have any issue with who, who's going to be leaving. I'm pretty sure we'll have the same team. I don't know, you know. I've harked on this before. We spent 180 million pounds in the summer um, for a forward and a midfield. We shouldn't. There's the odd, maybe a left back or something like that, but we we shouldn't need any more forwards. 
um, or any more midfield players. They don't work out anyway, even if you do. <laughs> well, this is it, you know. I think think for a West Ham fan, things can only get better. I know that's an old song, but, um, you know, it was a win. You know, I didn't see unfortunately, I didn't see it live, um, and I, but I saw the goal. Uh, it's still a long way to go for West, being a West Ham fan, but... You know, we just look forward to the next round and just move forward. And, you know, I, I can remember when I used to play, you know, I'm not, I've never been a pro like, you know, the guys here, but, you know, you do get on a roll. If it just a win can be followed by another win, you know, that's, it's for West Ham. I just hope that's going to happen and we'll start winning a few more games. The, last couple, of the last couple of performances haven't been as bad as they were sort of six weeks ago. So steady progress, you know. It's a good victory away at Brentford. That's a good mm. victory. Yeah, it was, but they they had their second string in. You know, it wasn't their full team, but it's a victory. You know, we won, and that's it. That's good enough. You know. Yeah, I'm sure Rick was just about to tell me there that not everybody can win at Brentford, but I think we're. I think we've all been caught out by Brentford this season, haven't we? I think. Yeah, um, I'm on the finish. Um, the nice, so um, turned yeah. up against most of the big boys. Um, Thorpe, are you expecting much business to be done generally across across January? Have you got you've got your hand up there? Well, no, I just I, I'm just sort of like going on the uh, West Ham one, really. Do, do, do the group think that um, you get a situation where, like, if they sold Rice now, they could actually utilise that money for maybe sort of like three or four players that would enhance their squad? Um, you know, is that something that 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 uh, they feel feel that would be good for West Ham at the moment, or you know, you've, got, in... you've got to buy the right players. This is the point, yeah. isn't it? You know, you can have two hundred million pound in the bank, but if you're buying a lot of donkeys, you know, it, it, it's just down to the recruitment. Whether De- Declan Rice will leave at the end of the summer, probably. You know, I don't, I don't have a problem. You know, last year I would have had a problem with him for him leaving. If he leave, you know, you've just got to spend that money wisely. You know, you, we're talking about Brentford. What a squad they've got of great players. Cost tuppence. You know, and so it's possible if you get the right recruiting, you can get a really good team, you know, but that's the hardest part, isn't it? Obviously, West Ham haven't done very well in that sort of thing. They're, they're still struggling with players who've spent loads of money on it and they're not do, pulling their weight and we're not winning the games. You know, do you also Brent, feel that if, because if we all know he's can do it. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry, just to say, and again, like, do you, do you feel that because we all feel that he, he's definitely going to go by the end of this or at the end of the season anyway? Um, do you feel also that uh, is that is that a thing where he probably doesn't want to get himself injured? Maybe he's not quite going into that tackle at the moment, or you know, do you feel you're getting the most out of him at the moment, and he's just a West Ham lad and he'll go with the flow? I, I don't think he's pulling out of tackles. Um, you know, there may be something in his in his head that he thinks about the future, and but you know, I, I know people watch most of the games, and they. He, he had the odd game in the last couple of weeks where he wasn't didn't look quite right, but the last game he was playing quite well. Um, you know, he's a West Ham fan. He, he loves the club. But I, as I say, and I, last year I would have hated him to leave. Um, if he leaves now, it won't be a shock um, or he leaves in the summer. And I, I won't. he's done great for West Ham and he's put West Ham in a potential place where we could win a European competition. But... If he leaves, good luck to him, you know, because he's going to struggle. West Ham are going to struggle to win competitions unless we get the right players in. And we're still mm. struggling getting the right players in. 
but good luck to Declan, whatever he does, you know. Where's he gone? That's that's what I've got to remember to keep doing the, now. The, the trickeries <laughs> of uh, parenthood, isn't it? Yeah, there's a new parent <laughs> there, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, baby brain already, isn't he? What yeah. I was trying to mouth to Will, if you didn't get from my lips, Will, was that obviously in the last week or so, we, we also lost um, David Gold as well. Oh, yeah. um, obviously someone that you would know well from your obviously your West Ham roots. I know that they don't... We were on some of these. <laughs> both of them, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't like you mentioning that. <laughs> <laughs> the, but, um, the, the both of them work, working together so closely, they didn't always get the best kind of publicity. I think it's probably fair to say, but at the same time, he was West Ham through and through. He only lived across the road from the old ground, didn't he? And you know, he did put his money where his mouth is, even if it didn't always come off. How did you? How did you, did you see his just, tenure? Just a but, just a button. Did you? Do you know what his number of his house was? Uh, no. Four four two. That's why he was like, "This is crazy." He lived opposite ground, and his, and his house number was four four two. I thought it would have been thirty six D. Well, to be honest, from my point of view, David Gold, uh, you know. I, I'm never a person to really look at who the who the board is made up of, and you know, obviously, I've heard of David Gold and David Sullivan. Um, I even know where David Sullivan lives, but um, David Gold, I had never realised what a fan he was, um, and that he, he was he used to live opposite the bowling. Now, I kind of knew him initially from Birmingham or somewhere like that, where he was the chairman up there, I believe, and. So, you know, it was a it was quite a surprise when I was reading his a bit and then it said that he was he was a West Ham fan. So I, I kind of in the past I never appreciated him enough. You know, I didn't realise that he was West Ham through and through. He um, played, didn't he? At, at youth, I, at youth I, level. Well, youth youth level, we might have done yeah. something like that. You know, but I mean I played for West Ham boys, so I don't know I mean a lot of it. Um but yeah, four, four. it's it's very sad and you know, he gave his heart and soul to the club um, and his money. Had a good innings. Um, you know, he, you've got to be proud of what he's done. You know, he's kept the club where it is and such like. So, yeah, good luck to him, you know. He's, he's probably playing in the team somewhere now, you know. Evan United. My worry my worry would be for, uh, for West Ham is, have they spent this money thinking, well, that's all right, we're going to sell... Um, Declan next year anyway so have they already spent the money that they think they're getting for him or do you think they'll go again well they, they did get they've got a new guy in you know, a few months ago <laughs> then it Chris Spinsky or whatever his name is um, he bought a lot of money and so I, I, I don't think so there Tom I think I think they'll okay. still have a few bob they keep talking about there's still a bit of money in the pot anyway these are these are the, the fans that are closer to the team especially sorry Dave more cash if you win the Europa League as well. Well, yeah, well, you know what? yeah, yeah the I've conference, a, yeah. yeah they might be about thirty grand. I seen a stat the other day. They've got, I think West Ham. I don't know if it was sixth or eighth largest average attendance in your in in European leagues. Oh, I, I was just coming on to that. It's it's higher yeah. than that, Tom. Yeah, I think they're in the, I think they're in the top four, and they get at the moment. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they they're fifty eight. Love being corrected. No, sorry, but sorry, bud. <laughs> sorry, bud. <laughs> Fifty-eight point uh, five six nine fans average. 
Which I yeah. yeah. But the fan base at West Ham has always been brilliant. You know, even when they was at Upton Park, um, and even now at the London Stadium, the fan base are, are fantastic. You know, and there was a few weeks ago that David Moyes sort of gave them short shrift, the fan base, saying they know nothing about football, which was a bit, in, you know, wasn't a very good thing for him to say. The fan base of West Ham are brilliant. They're, they're real fans, you know, and they, they deserve a great team. And, you know, we've just got to keep looking forward and hopefully that great team will turn up and we'll win a few yeah. games. So, actually, uh, third they are. They're third behind Old Trafford and the Arsenal, the Emirates. I think I think it, what you were on about Tom was the other day was obviously saying the same thing was in Europe. I think they're you're, you're dead right. Home attendance, yeah, in, yeah, in England yeah. that they're they're uh, third behind. Uh, yeah, I think so. The, 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 so the money coming in from their AC gates Milan, is phenomenal. AC Milan yeah. and Barcelona and Real Madrid. That's right. So, so, so the top three. The top three are all London-based fans, then. All <laughs> <Well>, London-based. <laughs> <laughs> now, I don't think... The top one was holiday-makers, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we've got an awful lot of time left, but there was a couple of international um, things that caught the eye, uh, particularly today, the fact that Gareth Bell uh, announced his international retirement. Um, some might say that it seemed like he retired a few years ago, uh, judging on uh, some of the performances. And also Roberto Martinez um, being named the new Portugal manager. Uh, Rick, what do you make of those stories? He's a lucky boy, isn't he, Mr Martinez? Because there's oh, another DL. old generation. I mean, he, he's amazing, considering his track record as a manager, to get those two international jobs He's, he's definitely incredible. not. He's got, definitely who you know and not what you he's know. He's got though. a great agent. I mean, he has having, got a superb agent. That, he does have the look of a man who probably does interview well. If you just take <laughs> him on a one-off performance, um, that football bit afterwards, he's not so good. At, he's not so hot at that. But uh, you get you give him an interview and blimey, he's unbeatable. He's landed <laughs> on his feet. I mean, fair play to him. It's. Uh, yeah, it's a great a great job to have, I would have thought, moving forward. Apart from Ronaldo. Not going to be part of it anymore, is he? Oh, is he? Don't think so. Apparently, that's his first conversation, apparently, is to have one with Ronaldo. Local point, really, that uh, I've just been speaking to Anthony Barry, who's uh, coach at Chelsea, and he, he was um, Roberto Martinez's assistant over in the World Cup. And uh, I said, question, are you going to Portugal now? And... Uh, he, he hinted that he was. So, yeah, there's a, a hot off the press one. Nice work if you can get it, isn't it? Yeah. Is he yeah. taking beyond Rio, I wonder? Because he was with him, wasn't he, with the Belgian squad? So, so apparently, Henri might be the new Belgian manager. Ah, right. Okay. Wow. Makes sense. So, uh, lots of lots of goings on on the continent. Just very quickly, one word answer from all of you before, before we do leave. Um... Harry Kane equaled Jimmy Greaves' record um, this weekend. Um, the reason I want to bring this up is because there's a huge debate at the moment, and there always has been in football, in whether or not you're classed as a world-class player if you don't actually have any trophies to back it up. Now, he's on course 
if he keeps going, okay, it's hypothetical that he could be the Premier League's all-time leading goal scorer and not win anything. I'm going to go to each of you. If that happens, is he class? Can he be classed as world class if he wins no trophies but ends up being the Premier League's all-time leading goal scorer? Tommy, I'll start with you. Yes or no? Yes. Yes. Nick. No. Thorpey. <laughs> I, I I can say yes. Will? Yes, if he gets a trophy for being the leading goal scorer. <laughs> so um, you've not let me down there because Rick was the one person I thought was going to say no. <laughs> so uh, nice one, Rick. But um, I think, unless AD disagrees, I think that's probably all we've got time for um, for this evening. So, um, Tommy, thank you very much for joining us, mate. No, thanks a lot. Sorry about my art. Uh getting my laptop and uh, having a shit oh, part of me excuse me old ipad mini <laughs> rick thanks very much as always mate always a pleasure just here to be the dependable you know what you're gonna get just regular Thank three you. out of ten talking of which thorpey you too yeah one very quick fact uh richard evans actually oval town uh was uh the physiotherapist behind martinez yeah so he was at rovers as well yeah yeah, right, right is, he, is he also going to Portugal? There you go. Everyone, everyone's Come going on, to AD, Portugal. get on it. Everyone's going to Portugal. Will, uh, thank you very much as well, mate. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Great being with you guys. Glad to see that you're feeling a little bit better. And um, that's all for this week here on Football Bloody Hell. Football Bloody Hell.